Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. The Most High, in the name of Christ, bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. At this point, let me remind you that the chat room is open and available for your comments and questions. And let me also say that when you're in the chat room, we ask that you respect for those in the chat room as well as those on the program. Disagreeing is okay. We encourage other points of view. However, disrespect will not be tolerated. Today's topic is titled Atheist versus Archbishop. And this is uh, drawn from an article from The Independent. Uh, Prominent atheist Richard Dawkins admitted to God's existence, or at least to a very small chance that God does exist. This admission took place in a debate with Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury. This debate was not what was suspected of two men deemed to be polar opposites on the existence of God and evolution. Not only did Dawkins give the nod to God's existence, but the Archbishop apparently agreed with evolution. If these two men, who are highly esteemed and notable in their achievements in opposing arenas, can come to agreement, is this an indication that we all may someday come to similar conclusions? Joining me here today in the virtual living room to discuss this topic, I have first with us our brother Kabar. Yes, yeah, shalom, brother. It's good to once again be with you on this early Sunday afternoon. And uh, as always, giving praise, honor, and glory to the Most High for the opportunity to bring both his doctrine as it is written. And we also have joining with us in a big cushy chair here in the virtual living room, our brother Abaja. Abaja, did you want to say something to the people? Oh, I'm sorry. I have my phone muted. I want to give all thanks and praise to the Heavenly Father in Christ for another opportunity to uh, come in, you know, edify and preach his word. Okay. All right, brothers, uh, welcome to the program. Um, Before we get into the meat of the article and the topic here today, I think it's probably going to be beneficial for our audience if we go into just a tiny bit of backstory on on who uh, Richard Dawkins is and who the Archbishop of Canterbury is. His name is uh, Rowan Williams. Um, Richard Dawkins was born... In March 26, 1941, uh, he's a British ethologist, evolutionary biologist, and author. He is an emeritus fellow of New College, Oxford, and was the University of Oxford's professor for public understanding of science from 1995 until 2008. Dawkins came to prominence with his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene, which popularized the gene-centered view of evolution. 
Dawkins is an atheist, a vice president of the British Humanist Association, and a supporter of the Brights Movement. He is well known for his criticism of creationism and intelligent design. So that's Richard Dawkins. Roy Williams, who is uh, the current uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, was born June 14, 1950. He is an Anglican bishop, poet, and theologian. He is the 104th and current Archbishop of Canterbury, Metropolitan of the Province of Canterbury, and Primate of all England offices. He has held since early 2003. And I'd like to also mention that uh, he is heading up the third largest group of Christians in the entire world. So, uh, brothers, in this article, uh, it comes from The Independent. And this was written Friday, February 24, 2012. And it's, and it's concerning a debate that took place between these two men, uh, Richard Dawkins and Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I'd like to read a little bit here. It's going to take me a little bit, so bear with me. Oxford University held its first debate on the subject of evolution in 1860, just months after the publication of Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Then the Bishop of Winchester, Samuel Wilberforce, famously inquired of the biologist Thomas Henry Huxley whether it was through his grandmother or his grandfather that he traced his descent from a monkey. The response he drew from the man known as Darwin's bulldog ensured that the exchange went down in history. Yesterday, the university hosted what seemed tantalizingly like a similar clash of great minds between the Archbishop of Canterbury, Roy Williams, and Professor Richard Dawkins. Like Huxley, a bulldog on behalf of Darwin's theories, but anyone hoping for a dust-up would have been sorely disappointed, for the conversation was conducted with utmost politeness. The cleric even confessed his belief in evolution and agreed with Dawkins that humans shared non-human ancestors. Wilberforce would be turning in his grave, assuming, as Williams does, that the soul survives death. And I'll skip down a little bit. Rather than arguing... Dawkins and Williams seemed intent on finding areas of agreement. Did the Archbishop agree that there was probably no first man, that human evolution was gradual, and that in Dawkins' formulation, no pair of Homo erectus parents glazed down proudly at their Homo sapiens newborn? He did. The Pope thinks that, Dawkins claimed. I'll ask him sometime, Williams replied. Could Dawkins disprove the existence of God? He could not. He confessed describing himself not as an atheist, but as an agnostic, to gasp on Twitter where the unlikely pound Dawkins search, I'm sorry, Dawkins Archbishop hashtag was trending. On his own atheist scale of one to seven, the professor suggested the probability of any supernatural creator existing is very, very low. So let's say I'm a I'm a six point nine. All right, so 
Kabar and Abaja, what you have here are two men that uh, many people in the world deem to be um, great minds in, in their fields. And their fields are their supposing lines of thought. You know, one believing that essentially there is no God. Another, I thought, would believe that uh, there is no such thing as evolution. But that seems to be changing. Considering, uh, Kabar, that these two men, their minds are changing about things, they seem to be going closer to the middle. Is that an indication that we all may someday draw closer to the middle on these uh, issues surrounding the existence of God and evolution? Well, the thing is, you know, for those who profess to be followers of Christ and to believe uh, in the inherency of Scripture, uh, per se, you hear that term, that just means that the, the Word of God is infallible, which it is. And uh, then there is not going to be any middle ground. There is no middle ground to uh, any beginning. God created the heaven and earth and God created man, and then God didn't create the heaven and earth and didn't create man. There's no middle ground there. Mm -hmm. You do believe that or you do not. In the the end, that's it. So the scriptures, for those who rely on the scriptures and and the truth of of what comes out of the Bible, there isn't going to be any middle ground. And for those who rely on other subjects or other other sources, so-called science is the main thing people try to rely on and depend on, um, they're going to believe other things, but how solid is the source that you're believing on? First uh, Timothy chapter, First uh, Timothy chapter six and verse three. I'll just start there because uh, the Spirit was bringing out the Apostle Paul about the things that we're supposed to be teaching and the doctrine that we're supposed to be holding to. But then also how the opposition and people are going to be uh, teaching other things or believing other things or going against the doctrine. This is the edification that came out concerning that those type of situations. First um, Timothy six and three says, "If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness." He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting upon questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, even surmising, perverse disputing of men of corrupt mind, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. So it's not a, a debate or a back and forth. You can't call yourself a Christian and be getting into or you can't call yourself a follower of Christ and be getting into debates of people who don't even believe the scriptures. Because it tells you in Romans that if any man come to God, he must first believe that he is, and there is the reward of those who do righteousness. So if you don't even believe in God, there's nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this man could call himself even a bishop, not even knowing that, and get into an open debate about these things. There's nothing to debate because Christ said, Serving the Lord, bless my child. We're not, we're not even supposed to get into those type of things. 
especially on the subject that he's debating or, or, or speaking on. Because in that same First Timothy chapter 6, jump down to verse 20, it's an old argument, okay? None of this stuff that we discussed in the 2012 didn't happen already two centuries ago, two, excuse me, two millennia ago. And mm-hmm. Paul was dealing with it in his time. And now in the scripture is going to show forth, First Timothy 6 and 20, further on down in that same chapter, the, the spirit through Paul is given a counsel, and it says, well, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babbling and opposition of science falsely so-called, which some professing have heard concerning the faith, grace, grace be with thee, Amon. So the same disputes is going on in the Greek and Roman society. They pride themselves on logic and reason and these things, but none mm-hmm. of that logic and reason was based on the scriptures, and that's how they fell into the many things that they fell into. And in in our, those of our people who depended on such things also uh, found themselves in dire straits and, and, and spiritual ruin, really. So, the, But the thing is, you're always going to have, you know, those who stand up for this world and stand up against the scriptures trying to find a grounding in science. Because if that's what's going to provide them with uh, the, the the validity to say what, what you're preaching out of the Bible is wrong, when in fact the science that they're trying to base it on is false science. There is a real science like the movements of the heavens and, and, and the sun, moon, and stars and their movements and things like that. But we're talking about this false science not based on anything according to the scriptures that men make up out of their own minds. That's the thing but, that we're not supposed to be getting into. That's what we're but, supposed to avoid because it's just it's simply a lie, period. But but you can see how it can be kind of confusing for someone. You know, you read the Bible, and then you go through a, 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 an experience. There's something that's before you that is factual, that contradicts what's in the Scriptures. You know, uh, you can see how someone could be really confused uh, by those circumstances, right? Well, Let's, let, let's deal with that issue. Uh, something factual before you that seems to contradict the scriptures, like uh, science, let's not forget, and I keep bringing out these examples because it's classic, science in the 18th, 17th and 18th century said the earth was flat. That's what science said, mm-hmm. okay? But the scriptures 4,000 years earlier told you in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22, it is talking about the Most High, it says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So the Bible already told you the earth was round 4,000 years ago, and here goes man in his own understanding saying it's flat only to recant that, and now science is saying what the scriptures already told you, the earth is round. Mm-hmm. That's one example. It was stated as fact that the earth was flat. Another thing is, in the 70s and 80s, science said that breastfeeding was bad for children. That's hmm. what science said, and they presented all of these seemingly factual evidence to support that. Mm-hmm. And now we read that the same science is saying breast milk is the best thing you have for babies. You can go to a uh, woman's health back and they tell you, 
early breast milk is like liquid gold. A whole bunch of a fact listing sheet about why it's so beneficial. Another one tells you why breast milk changes as the baby grows and how breast milk is easy to digest and how it fights diseases. But science told you something totally opposite. So now the Bible that told you that it was good, as far as when children always breastfed when you look into the Bible, and the earth was always circled around when you look into the Bible, that never changed. Those facts never changed. What facts keeps changing, so-called? This science, so-called. Their facts keeps changing. In one minute they're saying yes, in the exact same minute they're saying no, and it's completely opposite information. That's why we can't rely on that. we got to rely on the scriptures because the scriptures don't change. The science of men, this full science, it changes every day. Okay. All right, well, brother, thank you for that. We do have a uh, visitor to the virtual living room. And, visitor, you are liberal 141. If you would, go ahead and give us your comment or question, please. My comment and question, uh, hello, people. It's, uh, it's Dale. How are you guys? I'm sorry, who is this again? It's Stanley. Hey, Stan, how are you? Very good, very good. I'm listening to what you just said. And I have to tell him I disagree with what he just said. First of all, the Bible never talks. If we're going with science, the Bible never talks about virus. The Bible never talks about DNA. The Bible never talks about evolution. The Bible didn't talk about so many discoveries that we learn through science that benefit us. If it wasn't for those discoveries, I would, at 35 years old, I should be, I should be dead. That's science that brought that forward. That yeah. science brought algae, who brought evolution, who brought medicine. If it wasn't for science, you and me would all be dead. Stan, let me ask so, you something. Stan, let me ask go, you something real quick. Um, we're having a difficult time hearing you. Is there some adjustments you can make with your equipment so that we can hear you a little better? Yes, yes. Can you hear me better? Uh, that's slightly better, but it's breaking up. Okay, let, let me try to call back. I'll call back on the phone. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, brothers, you, you heard uh, Stan's comments there uh, regarding uh, science and um, how these things regarding DNA and viruses and so forth, that the Bible did not address those things, uh, you know, 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. Um, how do you respond to uh, those uh, that position that Stan has? Well, it's like well, it's you look just... at uh, the whole thing of um, – even like, because we're, I, I think Stan's back in the queue again, but even uh, addressing the whole thing of one of the primary things of, you know, dealing with Darwinism and evolution and things of that nature, that, that has, you know, that's an old debate. But I'm just going to go to uh, a couple of scriptures here. Um, I'm going to go to Genesis 1 and 24. Okay. It says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures, excuse me, living creature after his kind, cattle, and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So, you have the creation here of the living things that are upon the earth and everything like that. Uh-huh. So you see, according to the Bible, that those things were created after that time. It wasn't a big bang. 
There wasn't a uh, just some random thing happening and amino acids and salts and the perfect balance forming and the perfect cell and things just you know evolving to the point of being a human being. Okay, when you look at the creation in the scriptures, it shows you that these things were made by the heavenly Father and the host after their time. Okay, which is why you won't see basically any more these uh, so-called strange animals crawling out of the ocean with gills and feet. There ain't no more mon- ain't no monkeys turning into people. Okay, so it just goes back to we have to rely on the wisdom of the scriptures and not deal with that science falsely so-called as it was read in uh, Timothy. I think Kabar read the scripture earlier. Okay. You know, right. also... Yeah. Yes. Also, you know, some of the uh, our front stand, you know, really has to be careful in the things he's talking about because, I mean, we like to attribute more things to science than the science actually attributed to, you know, the growth and development of mankind as, in general. We got to understand he's he's saying it was only uh, modern day science that introduced all these things, and, and he mentioned medicine in particular. Mm-hmm. It's simply not true because uh, the, when you look at the apostles and the writers of even the gospels, Luke was a physician. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he studied medicine, not this pharmaceutical stuff that we see today, the false uh, 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 synthetic stuff. We're talking about, when the scriptures talk about medicines out of the earth, the herbs and all of these things for the healing of man that God created, Luke was a physician, studied these things, and applied these things to human physiology for the benefit of mankind 2,000 years before we got uh, Norbatus or, 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 you know, Merck or any of these other pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, you have to be careful about that. Medicine wasn't invented in, you know, uh, uh, 2010. I mean, medicine's been around from the beginning. Adam, okay, and you have uh, an apostle Luke, uh, one of the one of the men who contributed to the very gospels that we are reading in the account of Jesus Christ, who was in fact a, a physician. Now, why didn't that happen? Why didn't, didn't that conflict with his belief? Because Luke understood God created the medicine. It wasn't it wasn't a battle between science or God. No, God created. What we understand as science, true science, as far as the way he uh, uh, made things, the heavens and earth, and how they operate, that's true science. And, God, and, and Luke, as a physician, studied the medicines that God created, meaning the herbs and, and the things mm-hmm. that God gave for man for his healing, and then applied that in a proper way. So, mm-hmm. you know, here you have, here you have a, a man of God being a physician and applying that understanding to the healing of man, and we see that, you know, medicine didn't just develop in 2010. It's been around and applied by godly men in the right type of way. Okay, now that's, that's a very, very good response to uh, Stan's concerns. Uh, Abaja, there was something Kabar had mentioned earlier in the program regarding um, th- this coming together and agreement between these polar opposites. Uh, the, the the people that don't believe in God and those people that do believe in God concerning uh, evolution. Um, between these two men, um, the, the, the atheist, Richard Dawkins, 
and the Archbishop of Canterbury, which one of those guys is headed in the right direction? Because keep in mind that their positions seem to be changing somewhat from where they were, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Because now Richard Dawkins, who seems to be one of the most premier atheists in the world, is now giving a sliver of a chance to the existence of God to the point that he's now calling himself agnostic. And the Archbishop of Canterbury has just come plain straight out and said that, hey, listen, yeah, evolution does exist. So considering that earlier in the program, Kabar saying you can't have it this meeting of this. It's got to be one way, and that one way is through the Scripture. So who's headed in the right direction on this? Well, if they're not headed towards Christ, then neither one are headed in the right direction. And what I mean by that is that you have, you know, people that have a professed the belief in a God, okay? Mm-hmm. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is that God that they profess the belief in or the belief of the same God that's written of in the scriptures that our Lord and Jesus Christ came and gave us repentance to and for? Okay. That, that's the measure by which, mm-hmm. you know, we're supposed to, you know, come to an agreement. Oh, excuse me, I hate to use that word. Come to an agreement with, you know, when it comes to the scriptures. It's like, listen, I want to read something real quick because I, I think you made you say something. Um, St. John chapter 15, verse, verse 9. And the Lord told us, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. So the thing is, is that the world will come to an agreement on things based on, you know, at a whim. You know, this person has one opinion, this person has another belief. Okay, you know, well, we can agree to disagree. Or, well, you know, we can come to a consensus. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't line up with what the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching and preaching with regards to repentance, and what the Heavenly Father established in the scriptures, then that's going to, that stuff at the end of the day, when the Lord comes to settle the score, it's just going to get be at the chaff, as he says, and be blown away. It's not, it's not going to hold any weight. Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's a very, very good point. But, uh, you know, getting, getting back to this whole thing about um, you either got to believe in Christ, as the scripture says, or you're mm-hmm. not headed. Neither one of them is headed in the right direction. Um, but the scripture says, you know, as far as believing in God, the scripture says mm-hmm. that the devils know God exists and they tremble. All right, and I, I know I'm partly paraphrasing poorly, mm-hmm. but so this 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 man uh, Richard Dawkins, when he says that he's given a sliver a chance that God does exist. I think that he's he's not talking about an idol God. He's talking about the true and living God. They are some one who actually created everything. So considering the fact that he's he's leaning in that direction, and this Archbishop of Canterbury is leaning in another direction, coming toward the middle, both of them, who's going in the right direction? They're both coming toward the middle. But, but the middle of what? It, it is the question, not to cut you off your side, but the middle of what? Because, again, going back to, you know, what I was saying originally, what God do they believe in? I mean, okay. look at all of these so-called different religions in the world that profess a belief in a creator or a supreme being, 
but that's not the creed, that's not the creed of heaven and earth that the scriptures speak of. Mm-hmm. So just just because they can agree on something, you know, appearing to be at open, you know, opposing ends of a of a, a subject matter, what does what do the scriptures say at the end of the day? That's what's supposed to be the standard. And if it's not going according to that standard, then they can do what they want to. I mean, you know, you have, you know, and again, I say that because, okay, you have the Archbishop of Canterbury. I believe he's like, um, the, I'm trying to remember some of the history going between that that uh, that uh, schism between the East and the West, between like the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church and things of that nature. But, you know, when you look at a lot of the things that, you know, the so-called followers of Christ or Christians profess and practice and, you know, their faith, it's supposed to be according to what's written in the scriptures and not things that have been incorporated over the centuries as far as some of the paganism, the idolatry, and things of that nature that you will see that is embedded in a lot of so-called Christian faith, whatever denomination they choose to call themselves. Okay. All right. Um, Go ahead, Kamar. Yeah, because, you know, you think about you have these two men and, and who knows the devices of Satan, you know, uh, because we got to understand, like the scriptures, the scriptures tell us in First uh, Corinthians um, that First Corinthians 3 and 7, it says, so neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And we got to understand the, you know, showing ourselves approved unto God, that's really where the stamp of approval comes from. It's not from uh, um, a seminary school or whoever. I don't know who this bishop is, but but his his uh, validity and and uh, 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 backing of, of what he's claiming to be as far as a man of God doesn't come from, you know, whatever um, institution he may have gotten, you know, whether it's Cambridge or whatever he got his certifications from that that doesn't make him a man of God or even knowledgeable about the scriptures at all is whether he is studied and learned and approved of God who gives the increase. And we know if he's studied and proved of God, then he's gonna be standing for the word of God and unwavering. Period. Mm-hmm. So the thing is it's is not about coming to the middle. That doesn't you know, that that's that's of no benefit because Standing for the word of the Lord and being approved of God means that you're putting, a, putting people in a direction of God, obedience to his word as it is written in the Bible, and that's it. But the thing is, as far as these, where the opposition comes from, it comes from, the, the opposition to the word comes from the world and the wisdom of this world, because that's what we're dealing with here. We're talking about the so-called scientists and Dawkins or whoever he is and his scientific findings or his scientific validity as far as why is it contrary to the Bible and 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 how his point is valid and you have this so called bishop moving in his direction as far as finding some kind of common ground when there is none. First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty tells said to us, this is the this is God that says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? When the scriptures talk about the disputer of this world, it means like this man Dawkins, he is a disputer of this world. He is the one uh, coming with the understanding and the, and the knowledge of the world, disputing against the Bible. That's the disputer of this world. Those who try to justify the world 
and the flesh over the Bible and the scriptures. And it says, Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God has done that many, many times when he's told you that the earth is round and man and the disputing of this world said it was flat only for that to be recanted or for for the, for the, for the Heavenly Father to establish uh, uh, what motherhood and things like that and how the mother is providing for the needs of the baby, but man to come up with his own understanding only to have to relinquish his position on that. So constantly be seeing the, the wisdom of this world being made foolish by the things of God when he reveals it for the foolishness that it is time and time again. And it says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, just like we have here with men coming up with science and why God isn't true. It said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, meaning the ones who are truly for God is going to overcome all of this foolishness in the world and actually believe on the Bible. And it tells you, it says, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, that's what's going to save us. But when we talk about the people in this world and, and the, those who are blinded by this world, it, the scriptures go into that also in the same chapter, First Corinthians verse 13 on down, when it says, which things also we speak not in the words which man, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, okay, but which the Holy Ghost teaches compare spiritual things with spiritual things. But here's the problem with men like Doc and, and other men who side with them in their understanding. Verse 14, it says, But the natural man, and not that Dawkins and many of those who dispute against the, the Bible, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And, we, and he readily admits that. It says, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. A carnal man cannot discern spiritual things. It's impossible. It's like asking a baby to do uh, 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 computations for thermodynamics. It's impossible. They, the, the very language needed to do it, the baby doesn't even understand the ABCs of it. Same thing with that carnal man. He doesn't even understand the ABCs of Scripture and understanding of the Bible in order to, for you to relate to him on that, on that level. So it says, verse 15, that he that is spiritual judges all things, he himself is judge of no man. So it goes on to show us that if those who are carnal in this, in this world, they can't receive the Bible, repentance, the scriptures, because it's foolishness to them. So that that's, that's begins to show you and reveal to you what kind of uh, man this bishop is and even engaging in something like that. Because the wisdom of the scriptures tell us, leave that kind of thing alone. If the man says he doesn't even believe in God, there's nothing to talk about. Okay? But the thing is, you know, as we apply the wisdom of the scriptures, it tells us how to deal with not only people but situations and, 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 and the foolishness of this world and how we have to leave it alone and not engage in it. Okay. All right. Well, bro, uh, thank you for that. Um we do have a visitor in the virtual living room. And visitor, I want to ask you to uh, just bear with us for a minute. We're going to uh, go to a, a quick intermission here, and we'll come back. We're uh, definitely going to entertain uh, whatever comments and questions you have. And visitor, you're uh, coming to us from four three eight nine three seven. Just so you know that we're talking about you. Mm -hmm. 
Body of Christ Church invites you to listen to all our programs on Blog Talk Radio. These programs are meant to edify the listener regarding repentance and good works that come to the Holy Scriptures. The weekly program schedule is Sunday at 2 p.m., Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., all Eastern Standard Time. Our Spanish broadcast is at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time each Saturday at blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC. Please accept our invitation to call in to our show at 646-716-7749. Your comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. Again, call in now. Please dial 646-716-7749. People murdering, killing in this society. Bodies are falling on every single side of me. Rapists are running rampant, so what a drug addict. We're living in the last days of the final madness. Teenage mothers giving birth to rebellious children. Rebellious children hate their brothers, and then they kill them. Wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, evidence, 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 evidence. That it's hard time to awake out of your sleeping state. Before Christ returns to set these wicked demons straight. So tune in to blogtoradio.com forward slash the B-O-B-C. Don't be alarmed. Open closely, and there's one thing you will see. To get your life right, repentance is the key. Tune in to Repentance is the Key at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday to learn more about repentance in Christ. Religion is not the answer. The Bible, the Heavenly Father, and Christ is the answer. So tune in. Shalom. This is the Body of Christ Church inviting you to listen to our new program, From Darkness to Light, where we examine and reprove spiritual wickedness in today's world. The show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So remember the words written in Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 18, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. Okay, we are back, and um, when we uh, went to break, I was about to introduce you all to our uh, new guest to the virtual living room, and uh, if you would, just go ahead and give us your name, your comment, a question. Uh, visitor, you're coming to us from uh, area code 438937. Uh, hello, it's Sammy. I'm back. I'm sorry. Uh, I tried to call back, but I called right now. How are you again? Uh, Great, great, Stan. Uh, you, you're definitely much clearer now, so uh, we can definitely hear, hear your points much better. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I'm listening to what you just said, and the problem is, is what you just said in the beginning, You in the beginning of the show. I'm a person who believes in truth. I don't care what's the truth. If it, if you as a, uh, a Christian or anybody can prove me God tomorrow as a fact, everybody would believe it. Same thing with evolution. Evolution is a truth. It's proven. You could go to any PhD. You could go to any biologist. It's not invented by man. 
It's not like a man saying, you know what, we're going to invest in a new thing called evolution, or we're going to invest in a new thing called electricity, or we're going to invest in a new thing called, uh, I don't know, whatever. Those things are things that are done by us, but have been proven. So when, when, when somebody is confronting that situation, that evolution is true, because without evolution, we wouldn't know biology. Without biology, we wouldn't know okay. medicine. So, Stan, my, my question to you, you say evolution is true. Uh, what is it that you use to prove evolution? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's because, because here again, okay. my understanding is is uh, it was Darwin's theory of evolution. So wh- how does a theory become true? Can you explain that okay. for me? Okay, first of all, a theory in evolution is not the same definition as us. A theory, basically, it's an explanation of what it is. Like we have a theory of gravity. That explains what gravity is. We have a theory well, actually, of... Well, actually, Newton's law... It was Newton's law of gravity. It was yes, not a theory exactly, concerning gravity. Exactly, it's a law but it's of gravity. With evolution, excuse me, Sam. With evolution, it's a theory. So I want to really drive home to that point how theory is fact. Yeah, a theory is a fact. It, it, it's an explanation of something. It's not the same way as us. Basically, in science, they call theory the same thing that we would call. Basically, it's a fact. It's the upper uh, thing that you prove. It's, it goes by high, uh, first level. It think is uh, you hypothesis whatever, and then there's another, and then it's fact, and then it's theory. So when we're seeing theory, it's not like something okay. that came out of nothing. It, 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 it has to be proven, and science people make sure they try to destroy your theory. Every scientific people in this world say, you know what? If you come with any invention and you say I prove something X. Every scientist is going to try to destroy your proof because they don't want to be. They want to make sure that it's true. So well, when Stan, evolution, Stan, you know, I, okay. I want to give you time to explain things. But you know, when you when you come on and you make statements regarding evolution being fact, and you can't uh, help us understand how you go from theory to okay, fact okay, regarding okay, evolution, okay. then okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one fact. Uh, if we go monkeys and human beings has the same number of DNA. That's the number one. That's one side that we can't contradict. They have something, those two have something in common. They have a common ancestor. Why okay. can we say Why couldn't we say that before and now we can't because of DNA? Okay. If DNA was different from a monkey to a human being, that evolution would be out of the door. That's the okay. latest, latest right. thing that okay. we, we found out as science. So you made a point there. Hold on, hold on one moment. You you made a point there. Let me get the brothers to respond to that one point. Uh, Stan is saying that uh, one way that uh, evolution is proven is by the fact that uh, monkeys uh, and humans share some DNA. Uh, Brothers, how do you respond to that? Okay. I'll let the ball first. I'm not responding to that per se, but I'm just dealing with this issue of evolution. Now, uh, we, we can easily respond to that by saying, uh, is there any documented case of a monkey turning into a human? Since they shared his DNA and evolution and everything you want to say, just present one case. We don't, you don't even have to, you don't have to be a dispute. Just simply present a case, you know, go, Google it, send it, and then you got you made your point. If you can't, then just, you know, kind of leave that one alone. But the thing is, look at that evolution. And we got to understand 
it's not evolution per se, the word and what, and what it defined as, is how it's trying to be presented in, in the way people, like the Big Bang Theory. We know that's a theory yeah. and it has an improvement, but, you know, people say this. Right. Evolution itself, a, 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 a butterfly evolves. Why? Evolution simply means a gradual, and I'm getting this from dictionary.com, you know, the free dictionary.com, the gradual process in which something changes into a different or, or or unusually more complex or better form. The process of developing gradual development. A butterfly evolves. Yes, absolutely. Changes in genetic composition of a population during successful generations. We know that, yes, absolutely true. You get two parents together, they have a kid, you want to see genetic uh, 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 characteristics from each parent in that one child. And then when that child has a child, you want to see how the biology and the genetics begin to change. Absolutely. But how does that get into uh, uh, who created man in the universe? That has nothing to do with it. Changes over time does not explain the creation of man in the universe. Evolution simply says, here's something that exists, and then it changes. Evolution doesn't tell you about how something is created. And that's the problem, we, that's what we're talking about here. Evolution assumes that there are already natural laws in effect and uh, uh, natural uh, gases or whatever in existence that created all these other things, but it doesn't explain where these things came from or how they exist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if you want to even use evolution, uh, science will tell you that a, uh, an object will remain at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. So what even created the Big Bang? What outside force acted on whatever was there to cause it to react and create this big explosion or whatever? Great question. Stan, do you have an answer for that question? Yes, yes. First of all, the Big Bang is not the same thing as evolution. The Big Bang is basically a theory that's telling you how the universe was created. Evolution is about how us, how could we explain the mammal, the, the, all the animals, and us in this world. Those are two different things. You're talking about two different things. If you want to talk about Big Bang, that's okay. the theory that we're still struggling with. That's the theory of Big Bang is basically that we think that the big explosion came and the energy, which is quantum physics, exploded, and that brought all the energy of the universe. We okay. could see it, we could prove it. It's still not proven that. That that is one thing that in Big Bang we're still struggling. But evolution that's different. Evolution is basically no, saying we, we, how did we come to this world? Stan. And that's what we want to know. Go ahead. Stan. Uh, his question was about the Big Bang. You know, what yes. was the driving force behind the Big Bang? If you say the energy and that we don't then, know. Then and we don't where, know. Where does the energy come that. from? Okay. So so then so then so that, wait, wait a minute now. Let me ask you a question. If um, if if you can have a theory of evolution to say that uh, these things took place, uh, and through conjecture you come up with these different uh, hypotheses, why is it that someone can't say that all these other things that the things took place because of God? Why can't yeah, someone say that? Okay, but Big Bang is different because you're asking in the Big Bang what exploded, what exploded, what did the explosion? That part we don't know. But for us, for us to come up and say it's God who did it, you have to prove, prove that God did it first to say that it's God who did it. Yes. We, that's on the that first note, thing you have. On the, on, go ahead. 
on that note, let's let's go there. Let's go to the proof of that. Because the thing is, me and Stan wasn't actually saying anything different. I, yes, evolution is explaining things that already exist and how they change over time. When you try to add all these hundreds of billions of years into it, that, you know, gives the foolishness. Yes, things change over time. That That is the definition, the core definition of evolution, a process of gradual change over time, and we know that happens. Topography yeah. changes over time. Genetics mm-hmm. change over time when you talk about from generation to generation. Yes, but that has nothing to do with God not creating it, okay? Uh, uh, of course, the Big Bang Theory, we already know, that's absolute foolishness. Ain't, all right, one thing, let's, let's just keep them two separate things. One, as far as proof, just bring me some proof about how a monkey turns into a human. Just one case of it, just absolutely one case of it so we can discuss something that actually happened. Two, if you can just prove one explosion in the history of mankind that ever created something orderly, uh, you can do okay. that also. I mean, in, okay. in and of itself, the, expo- the explosion itself creates something that is completely orderly and systematic. If you can read that. There's many books that tells you, first of all, number one, when you, you ask me when monkey comes out of, of a human or something like that, that's not true. Monkey and human have somebody who's common. And that's it. You could go to any PhD laboratory. They will explain it perfectly to you why monkey and man have something common. If you want to get the information, go get the information because I did. I, 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 I'm not a biologist and everything, but if you want to get the expertise of yes. this, go okay, get the information. Stan, but the, go theory, get a the theory of evolution says that monkeys, human, human, mankind came from monkeys. That's it. The theory of evolution no, that's that's the, it does not say that. The theory of evolution never said that. It said monkey and human have a common ancestor. That's what it said. It never said that monkey came from human. That is told, that has been proven, that has been something that every person who doesn't know evolution comes up with. It never said that. Try to find one book in evolution that says that and show it to me. No book in evolution okay, says so that. All the bo- so where did, man, where did man come from if he didn't come from monkey? They have a common ancestor that is that it was separated, that made it one part was human, one part was monkey. And that's the common ancestor that you could find out. I don't know the name of the common ancestor. I could give you the information. I'm not in front of my computer right now, but I'll get you the information if you want to. I have no problem sending you the okay, information. Well, but the only thing sorry. I have we, we, Go ahead. Yes. We can settle on the fact that... Uh, I, have a, I know what a common ancestor is. Okay. okay. What, I know what, what a common ancestor is. <laughs> the common ancestor is in Genesis. When the Lord created the heavens and the earth and the animals after their kind, the cattle after their kind, the creeping things after their kind, and man after his kind. Mm-hmm. That's the common ancestor, meaning the heavenly father created all of these things on the earth. But I want to read something in the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, as far as this the whole discussion is concerned, because the thing about it is that when Paul was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay, Throughout the you know throughout the uh, Asia Minor and the, and the various places, he ran across people of different backgrounds, different beliefs, different faiths, different philosophies, what have you. I'm going to go because um, really like I'm going to go straight to the point here. Acts 17 and 16. It says now when Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with them. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, 
And some said, what will this babbler say? Of some, he seemed to be a set of forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto the Aragathus. I think I said that right. Aragathus or whatever, I'm messing it up. Saying, may ye know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So we have an example of the Apostle Paul going out and teaching repentance through Jesus Christ. And part of that was the resurrection because that was the sign that the Lord said that would be given. The only sign that would be given to this wicked and adulterous generation that looked for a sign was his death and his resurrection. And the message was repentance. I'm going to read 17, verse 26. When he goes into the whole thing, describing it, telling them, explaining, listen, all of these things that y'all following, that, that has nothing to do with what the Heavenly Father sent his son Christ for. 17 and 26, and have made one blood of all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed in the bounds of the habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. But the whole thing is that Again, he's teaching and preaching the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Because when you go down, and I'm going to get to the point here, I'm going to go to uh, verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 32. It says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, because howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among whom which was Dionysius the Aerogate. Basically, he was a man of that city and a woman named Damaris and others with him. But when you read further down, he says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So that's what we're focused on. Okay. But, but can, and can the I, can I, to the Bible. Okay. Can I come back to what you're saying? Because if you're going to go and, and, and take the Bible and, and do this, I'm going to come with you with a question with that. If you take Paul mm-hmm. and you were bringing him in 2012, with the technology that we have, he would basically think that we're God, okay? Because he would have never believed that human beings could fly. He would have never believed that human beings are able to take a car and, and, and go faster than a horse. He would have never been be able to see that human beings is able to do an operation and operate okay. somebody and basically save somebody's life. So those are that all you know. Oh, that. So, so that what you said, you, you said oh, you were going to have a let, question. Let me just make a statement. Let, let me just make a statement. You know, because we're talking about theories and things like that, and Stan just made up a theory that Paul would think we were, we were God because of the things that they did. Paul dealt with that in his day when he was on the island of Patmos, um, or he was with the barbarians. I, I don't know exactly what island it. No, it wasn't Patmos. It was the other island that he was on when the when when animals, venomous animals, was biting him and he wasn't dying. Okay, I mean, people yeah, thought he was a god. So, so the thing is that you know, I'm sorry, Go ahead. that you know that that that's not what we that's not what what we're talking about here. The thing is that yes, you know, human beings develop in societies at the end of a time. I mean, exactly. you know, Paul was you, you can you can look at you know the time Paul was in. And, and advanced societies, how, how, how things are changing in society over time, even up until his time. 
at no time have you ever, you know, looked in the scriptures and saw that, okay, because man has advanced up until this point, all of a sudden uh, man is a god or somebody is a god or anything like that. Here we're going to, it's never going to change from God created man and the heavens and earth and everything like that. You know, just because man gains wisdom or learns over time and applies those things that he learns. But the thing is that we talk, we talk about, and, and this, is, this goes into the foolishness of how people say there's no God and how uh, uh, all of a sudden when they come, men can deduce all of these things and make deductions and wisdoms and apply all of this, and then the very basic things about uh, God and creation, all of a sudden they turn into complete idiots and buffoons. But see, when you go into Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4, this a really simple example, Hebrews 3 and 4. It says, for every house is built by some man. There's no person who's going to go by any structure that we see in a city or a town and assume that this was created out of nothing. They're going to assume somebody may got together and then they built it and, and, you know, construction crews or whatever materials have to be gathered. All of these things happen. Hebrews 3 and 4, for every house is built by some man. Yes. People automatically going to come to that conclusion. But then the scripture goes on to say, but he that built all things is God. When we talk about the universe, or we talk about the planet Earth, and all of a sudden, nobody created that. We know somebody made this house, but who made this planet? We don't know nothing about that. All of a sudden, total ignorance. And, and that's why you, you, you have this science that wants to, just like this man Dawkins, they want to try to fight against and destroy intelligent design because you have to try to eliminate something like that because if you don't, you automatically going to uh, end up at somebody who created these things. But that but that's why I told you Romans chapter one verse Romans okay. chapter one verse twenty one. That's gonna be my last point. Romans one twenty one it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. what's understood about the things that we've seen and the invisible things? What can we understand about that? Even his eternal power in God has so that they are without excuse. Basically, it goes right back to Hebrews 3 or 4. We know when we see a house of a man built that. And we can also know when we look at the earth, the heavens and the earth, and all the creation, that somebody built that. And if somebody built that or someone who built that is God. And there's no way to get around that. That's why the scripture says we are without excuse. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry to say there is a way to get over that. Uh, if you want to find out about that, there's a great book by Lawrence Cross, who's a scientific, who's a, who's a person who knows more about the cosmopology, big man theory than you and me come by, who will explain to you the universe out of nothing. What you're calling nothing, if you, go, if you want to go find the information, it's there. So, and, and second of all, there is not just our galaxy. There's over 300 million galaxies in this, in, that we can find, even more. So you're saying God created 300 million galaxies, and out of those 300 million galaxies, we're the special one. And by the way, it's always been proven also scientifically that our universe will, this, will be gone after a while because science has proven that our galaxy will, after a while, maybe a million years ago, they don't know precisely when, but it's been proven that the energy of the sun will stop working, and it will be basically the end. That's what we call a dead galaxy. You could see that over any galaxy. There's over 300 million galaxies. Some of them are dead. It will happen to us also. So those are okay. facts. 
Let me just say to you, uh, you know, we want to move on to some other things at this point, but I, I definitely appreciate you coming uh, coming on the program and bringing your Thank point you. of view to surface. Thank you so much, and you have a great day. Uh, brothers, um, earlier, um, yes. I, I just needed, I just wanted to address one last thing, because as far as the whole thing of the, the validity, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to address it when he said it, but the whole thing about just going into how Paul would think that we were gods. First mm-hmm. of all, you had those disciples that were there to witness the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Man has yet to replicate that. As far as people flying, you can there's an example. I think it was the uh, prophet Ezra that basically uh, one of the prophets who actually took Daniel or uh, a scribe that took Daniel a meal, and that basically he basically took him by the hairs of his head and transported him to where Daniel was in the in the den of, uh, den of the lions. So there are things in the scriptures that science still cannot comprehend and reproduce or even explain. Or explain. Okay. But right. the point of the matter is, and this is, again, why I read the book of Acts. I'm going to go to the point at 17 and 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So the thing is, is that even to this day, the resurrection of the dead has not been reproduced. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the resurrection of the dead is that very sign that the Lord said would be given to this wicked and adulterous generation to know that this is the son of the heavenly father and why we should come and repent to him to receive salvation. That was given to the nation of Israel. And that's what we're here to deal with. So just the fact that, you know, the, just the, based on the premise that, you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury and an avowed uh, atheist who's basically kind of shifted to an agnostic, can agree on certain things, that that has no relevance to the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, nor to repentance, because that's not what he's one of those men are dealing with at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that, um, Abaja, bringing that out and bringing some clarity to the whole thing about uh, Paul looking at people these days as gods. Uh, Kabar, earlier in the program, you had uh, spoke about how Spiritual, the spiritual things are spiritually discerned, and the carnal mind is incapable of discerning those spiritual things. And it just kind of brought to mind a question, and because all of us at some point did not, were not spiritually minded. We were just completely carnal minded. We had no real notion of anything spiritual. So then, where did this initial understanding come from, where we actually believe in God? And believe the scriptures. Well, we got to understand when you're talking about um, repentance, it's, it's something, number one, it's all up to, okay, let me, let me, let me get this scripture on it because, uh, okay. Because you know, you know why, you know why, why I'm asking that. I'm, you know, because there, there are going to be people that um, will, will, will look at what you were saying earlier, and they would think to themselves, okay, well, here, here are people that are, are, are very spiritual, and were they born spiritual? You know, and if, and if that's the case, if they were born spiritual out of the womb. I don't see where I was born spiritual out of the womb. So then what chance do I have? 
You, you see no, the point no, I'm getting no one at? Is born yeah, no one is born spiritual out of the womb. Matter of fact, you know, we're born going astray out of the womb, you know, because, you know, the world we live in and everything around us is so wicked, we naturally uh, pick these things up and begin to follow them. But the thing is that the scripture says, no man cometh unto God, Christ told us, no man cometh unto the me unless the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up the last day. It's the most high that begins to uh, 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 bring things, bring his will to pass. Same thing with Paul. Paul, of course, is going against and persecuting the church. So, you know, on that road to Damascus, where the Most High uh, opened his understanding, and that's when his conversion happened. Conversion itself, that's a spiritual thing, and it's something that the Most High causes or allows to happen to us. So the thing is that, you know, we, we don't do it in and of ourselves. It's something that the Most High, through his mercy, grace, and love, allows us uh Grants grants unto us as a gift, mm-hmm. and it's according to His will. Okay, all right. We do have a uh, visitor to the virtual living room, and uh, visitor, you're coming to us from area code five one eight two six zero. Would you go ahead and give us your name and your coming a question, please? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we get those every once in a while. It's a prank call. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. But let me let me let me read this. Let me read this in John six and forty four just to go to your preference. Because none of us are born spiritual and and none of us can choose uh of our own volition to be spiritual or to understand that it's a gift from the Lord. John six and forty four says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the le- on the, at the last days. So none of us can come to Christ because it's only through Christ that we gain uh, repentance of it and forgiveness for our sins. But none of that is going to happen unless the Most High himself uh, engineers the situation in which we can come to Christ. And then through Christ, we're brought unto the Father. It's, it's really a closed system because John 6 and 44 says you can't come to Christ unless the Most High, uh, unless the Most High, uh, uh, draws you, and then Christ says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man come up unto the Father, but by me. So you can't come unto the Father unless you go through Christ, but you can't come to Christ unless the Father brings you to him. So the thing is that it's, it's salvation is something that the Most High grants, gives, sets up engineers to happen, and it's an order calling to his will according to election. Now, you know, you have to understand something about the scripture to really understand that, because election means that it wasn't because of any good deeds that any of us did, but because the Most High chose us, remember, the scripture says he chose us out of the world, chose us to receive that grace and that forgiveness through Christ. So it's something that the Most High does. And unless the Most High does that, you can't understand uh, spiritual things or anything out of the scriptures, because, you know, even listen to Stan and some of the points that he's making, I mean, I totally understand where he's coming from. I came from the same type of thing, you know, wrestling in my mind, and many of us wrestle in our minds as far as the same thing. Um, uh, uh, the existence of God? Ask the question, when he asks the question, what is truth? And that's what he's wrestling with, trying to determine what the truth is and, and, and many things coming at him, and he's choosing what he wants to believe and what he doesn't. 
And that's, right. and that's what I really see. I mean, it's just, I, I can plainly see it's just as hard, just as easy for him to choose to, <coughs> to, to accept what the scriptures are saying. It makes more logical sense than the things that he's trying to explain out of science. So the thing is that it just, it just goes to show you that, you know, people choose the direction that they want to go in. You know what I mean? But the thing is, uh-huh. if, if you would take a moment, listen to the scriptures, and truly ask, ask the Heavenly Father to show them and to guide them, per chance, if it be the Lord's will, his mind can be opened up and he can receive these things out of the scriptures. But, you know, going back to uh, the scripture you read about uh, no man can come to the Father except the Father, uh, come to me except the Father draw him, um, it, it seems like it's it's pretty much a hopeless cause for uh, most people because, you know, the Father's only choosing a few. He's only drawing a few to Christ. So is it a, a hopeless cause for most people? No. Well, see, the thing is, no, it's not a hopeless cause because no man knows who's chosen and who's not. Only God knows that. Mm-hmm. So I can't say I can't say Stan is a hopeless cause. I don't know what the most I have plans for him. All I can do is preach the gospel, be instant in season out of season. You know, have my foot shot with the gospel, the gospel of truth. That's all I can do. I'm not. I can't determine whether a man will receive salvation or not. I I can't even bless or curse a man. I can't do nothing. All I can do is what the scriptures commanded, which is to preach the gospel. That's it. The rest is up to the Most High, whether He will uh, uh, give the increase or not. Okay, Abijah, it seemed like you had something to say about that also. Well, Acts seventeen and thirty. Again, going back to that same chapter where Paul was reasoning with those people that were in in idolatry, and in in Mars Hill, it says, "In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent." So mm-hmm. our primary concern is just to go out and preach the doctrine of repentance through Jesus Christ. Because Kabar read the scripture earlier, um, I think it was in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, where you had people that was basically trying to follow a, a certain men above what they were supposed to. I'm going to read it real quick, 1 Corinthians 3 and 5. Who then is Paul and who then is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that gives increase. So when you read the other scriptures, as a matter of fact, let me read verse 8 because it's something very important there. It says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So the thing that you find out is that true indeed, the Heavenly Father gives us the ability to understand the scriptures, but that also comes from the labor that we put in through repentance, okay, the labor that we put in by fashioning and forming our mind to the image of Jesus Christ as it is written in the scriptures and then putting off of those, those things that are carnal and fleshly and putting off the works of the flesh and sin. That's where the understanding and the fruits of the spirit begin to grow and increase. But, okay. Exactly. You know, again, you the brother is... Yeah, go ahead. I'm done. Yeah, and the brother is explaining, you know, as far as how much a person is going to grow. Now, whether a person comes to the understanding or not, I mean, uh, first and foremost, God has to open up that understanding to you. But then once he does, as far as who's going to bring forth 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold, 
that's up to us and how we apply what the Most High has given us. Mm-hmm. So, so it just it just goes to show. I mean, uh, going back to the you know the beginning of the show about you know uh, Richard Dawkins and this uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury and how they want to come to a middle ground, so to speak, and and all 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 I can read. Is this Second Corinthians? Because there is no middle ground. You can just let's just smash that according to the scriptures. Because this there just simply isn't. I mean, you have a non-believer, and you want to have someone who's calling himself a believer talking about they meet into on some middle ground, and mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter six, and we'll just read Second Corinthians six and thirteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness? with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Balaam, meaning the devil, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, be are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in, dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So where do you get middle ground from an infidel, which is darkened, and a, a person who say they believe, uh, which is this archbishop, how do you get middle ground when the scripture says there is none? So it just goes to show you there's a problem. We already know there's a problem with Dawkins because he's a he's an infidel, but then there's right. a problem with this man called a bishop because he's saying there's a middle ground when there isn't. So that's why we can't go based on men and they understanding or how many, okay, he's an archbishop of Canterbury, and some man said that he was a, another man, it's supposed to be something. No. Uh, Paul said he was nothing, and Apollo said he was nothing. Everybody, all the apostles acknowledge Christ in the scriptures. That's the same thing we got to do today. Who cares about the archbishop in front of this man's name? If he's not lining up with the scriptures, he's just as much of a fool as Dawkins as anybody else. So we can't go based on that. The scriptures tell us what to believe. The scripture says there's no middle ground between an infidel and somebody who believes, and, and that's it. You know, you know, I, I like what you just said. One of the astonishing things that a lot of people are going to um, get out of that is the fact that uh, this archbishop is leading the third largest group of Christians in the world. And now here this man is doing something that is against the scriptures by what you just brought out. Well, say that again, you're saying. Well, this this archbishop, you know, a lot of people I think are going to be astonished by that. You know, Kabar just brought out that, uh, you know, you you can't. Um, there's no middle ground. There's no agreement between uh, the scriptures and uh, the words of an infidel. And I, I know I'm paraphrasing real bad, um, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people are going to be astonished by the fact that here you have a man who is leading the third largest group of Christians in the world, Christians. We're not talking mm-hmm. about Jews who read part of the Bible. We're not talking about Muslims that read part of the Bible. We're talking about Christians. I guess they read part of the Bible too then, obviously, because here's something that the archbishop has apparently missed out on, that there's no agreement with the things that uh, 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 Richard Dawkins is talking about. There's no agreement in that. So well, how is this man is, is, is leading the third largest group of Christians, and he's moving toward the center to have agreement with them. Well, the you know, the scriptures bring that. that, that uh, 
Oh, one second. Because the thing that you have to realize is that a perfect example of this was um, actually the show we did, uh, Kings and Priests, um, yesterday morning on a good island show where we actually had a psychologist actually call in because the subject that we were dealing with were things pertaining to adultery and cheating and, and marriage and things of that nature. And just kind of the, the, the things that people go through, you know, within themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you just, if you actually listen to the entire show, you would see that it wasn't a matter of, you know, the people of uh, us being in the scriptures and a psychologist, you know, coming from, you know, something other than the scriptures in a sense, um, you know, coming to a middle ground on that particular subject matter. Because the middle ground, that, that's what's dictated by the so-called middle ground, that phrase of the, the subject matter that you're discussing. Because a lot of the things that the psychologist is bringing out was already founded in the scripture. Certain aspects of, you know, people seeking their own, you know, their own agenda rather than having the concern for their spouse. And I'm, I'm going to get to the, the, you know, the relevance of it in a second. You know, so the fact that, you know, you may have two people that can have a discussion, okay, on a, on a particular subject matter and, and appear to reach a middle ground or appear to agree on certain things, it wasn't about reaching a middle ground or agreeing on certain things because some of the things that were being discussed, the scriptures were already had established. You see what I'm saying? But on the topic of evolution and things of that nature, listen, the scriptures already gave us the understanding on how these things came to pass. And just agreeing with evolution as far as, you know, that whole that whole aspect of it, you know, that that's not necessarily true. You know, there's a scripture that says, Why shouldn't thou thy ways to seek love? You know, when we when you look at the people that stood for the scriptures throughout the Bible, they stood for the Heavenly Father. It wasn't about, you know, them beating the using the Bible to, as a weapon to beat them over the head like, you know, listen, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it, and you off as hell, okay? But the thing is, is it says what? Hebrews twelve fourteen, follow peace with all men and holiness without without which no man shall see the Lord. So the thing is, is that, yeah, we can discuss certain things, but when it comes to the, what the scriptures say, you know, the Bible says it, and that's, that's the end of it. It's not about us trying to reach a middle ground with someone. If what they're saying is all you know established in the scriptures, then it's not a, you know, there, there is no middle ground. It's like, listen, the Bible already says that. So, and that's, I'm, I'm and that's what we really have to, that's what we really have to focus on. It, it's not about... The middle ground is the scriptures. That's what we all supposed to be coming to, but we're not we're not dealing in that type of case with this article. In this article, we're dealing with uh, you go to the fourth paragraph, fifth paragraph down. It says rather than arguing, Dawkins and Williams seem intent on finding areas of agreement. That the archbishops mm-hmm. agreed <laughs> that there was probably no first man that human evolution was gradual. I mean, what are you talking about? There is no middle ground there. But it's, but you have the same man, this Archbishop, which, like you said, the third uh, has the third largest Christian following, so on and so forth. See, mm-hmm. the, the issue comes in is that we live in perilous times, and you got a lot of deception going on, and that's how the scriptures told you, like the brothers in Berea who search those things daily to see whether those things are so, that Paul the Apostle was preaching, and Paul saw, saw that as a good and godly thing, same thing with us today. 
does it matter because a man say he's an archbishop or if any any man today say whoever they are, it simply doesn't matter. What only matters is the fear of the Lord and whether you, you can find it in the scriptures. Christ said, if you if, if the blind leading the blind, and if and if and they both try pull into the ditch, they be blind leaders of the blind. So Matthew chapter uh, seven to fifteen tells us, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. We see this, you know, the fruits of this archbishop. It says, the men gather grapes of, of thorns, of figs, of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. That's it. it. Christ puts it in such a way where it ain't a whole lot about what the person is saying. You mm-hmm. just simply watch what they do. What they do is going to tell you what they believe. And what they hold true. And based on that, that's what you're dealing with. So when yes. this archbishop wanna find middle ground with a person who's saying there ain't no God and evolution created human beings, okay, it's time to pack your bags and walk away. The end with that. So it just goes to show us you have to rely on the scriptures and because we gotta understand we live in a society where the natural pull, the natural course of this world is trying to take us out of Christ into the world. And it will happen before you know it. You'll be sitting there, yeah, I, I, you know, I see what you're saying when what they're saying makes no sense at all according to the scriptures. That's mm-hmm. why we have to hold ourselves diligently in the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Our house will be overthrown, and we define ourselves in condemnation of the devil. Wow. Uh, that that seems like a pretty good place to end. About you got anything else you want to add to the program? Uh, just briefly, what uh, the counsel that Paul had given Timothy uh, mm-hmm. in the scriptures. I'm going to read First Timothy chapter one, and I'm going to read verses three and four. He says, "As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to, into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine." Because see, we know and understand by reading the scriptures that the doctrine that Christ instructs and charged them to preach was repentance. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what he taught: repentance from dead works, repentance from adultery, repentance from fornication, repentance from idolatry. Okay, repentance from bearing grudges and evil works. Those are the things that we're teaching in, out of the scriptures, because that's what the Lord told us to teach. But now, verse five, excuse me, verse four, it says that they teach no other doctrine, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So do. So, you know, if other people want to sit there and, you know, debate back and forth about evolution, uh, the Big Bang Theory and all of that, that's all well and good. But we saw the example in Acts 17 chapter where they they said, okay, Paul, explain to us about this this resurrection thing or whatever it is you're talking about. We want to hear more of the other matter. And when he explained it to them, it says some, you know, basically looked at him as a mocker. (laughs) And they were like, I mean, you know, they were like, oh, this is going to know what the heck he's talking about. But then mm-hmm. what? Paul dealt with the ones that wanted to find out more about receiving salvation, and that's what we're here to do. Because you look at the examples of people in the scriptures, again, I'll use Paul as an example, you know, prior to the Lord dealing with them, you know, it, it, it changed. 
So the fact that someone doesn't hear these things, you know, just from, you know, first listening or the first time they come across it doesn't mean that in the course of time that the Heavenly Father won't open their understanding up to it, you know, open their mind up to receive it. That's why I went back and said that God gives the increase. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that people understood that that's what we're here for. We're here to teach, uh, teach repentance and give a sense of understanding of, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. Okay. All right. Well, hey, brothers, I think, uh, you know, we've uh, definitely covered this uh, whole subject regarding these two men and their uh, opposing positions that are <laughs> coming together. And I really appreciate the things that you brothers have brought up through the scriptures. I uh, also appreciate Stan stopping in and uh, lending his uh, opinion to the whole situation. Uh, and also thanks to those who have been in the audience today and those that are going to listen in in the archives. But most of all, all thanks goes out to the Most High in the name of His Son, Christ. Until next time, I'll say shalom. Shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at newreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom. Thank you.